This part show is pleased to bring you Whiskey Westerns on Wednesday, direct from Dodge City, Kansas, featuring rich topics on the legends of the Old West. Whiskey to motivate. Westerns to inspire. Get it. Play it. Drink it. My name is Mike King, and I would like to welcome you to Whiskey and Westerns on Wednesday. My name is Brad Smalley, and we're here like always to be drinking a little whiskey and talking about some of the legends of Old Dodge City. Brad, before we get started, I would like to break down today's show for our audience. The purpose of this podcast will be to provide our audience with some characterizations of some of the legends of Dodge City. Today, we are going to reveal what lies beneath the surface of some of the legends mentioned in two of our latest publications. A Man in a Black Derby Hat and Return of the Great Hunters. We will explore each of the characters in the book by asking some questions about them. But most of all, how did they function under pressure? Which reveals a deeper revelation in their essential nature. Brad, after this introduction, I think it is time to warm up to a shot of selected whiskey. What do you have for us today? Well, today uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. We haven't done a whole lot of Canadian whiskeys on this show. And, okay. Uh, when most folks think of Canadian whiskey, it's it's Crown Royal. That, that's really all they know. And they're contrary well, to... Crown Royal is a popular it, it's very popular citizenship and, and also there's, in Canada, I would say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's so many folks that love Crown. In fact, that... Uh, uh, you, know, you know, I work as a bartender quite a bit that's also. That's right, that's right. Down at Boot Hill Distillery. At Boot Hill Distillery. Uh, fantastic place. Was, and all every day we got people coming in there, they're asking about whiskeys, and, and uh, I don't really like drinking whiskey. Well, what do you like? Well, I like Crown. Right. And then there's, there's an awkward pause, and then we start having a, a more intelligent conversation. Uh, but Crown is not the be-all, end-all of Canadian whiskeys. There's a lot of great ones out there. One of them is Forty Creek. Forty Creek. Forty Creek. And I would put uh, even just the standard Forty Creek up against any Crown Royal expression that they've got. Uh, but what I don't think either one of us have had today is the Forty Creek Double Barrel Reserve. Ooh, that sounds good. The Double Barrel kind of goes barrel. along with their show, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, indeed. 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 Yeah. Uh, and I, from what I understand, this is actually aged or finished in uh, American bourbon barrels. Okay. So we may get a little bit of that flavor on there, but I'm super excited to, to check this out. I love well, the I am too. I mean, I, that's, I think that's 40 that's Creek. That's just a cool 40 Creek. Whiskey. It is 40% uh, alcohol. It's 80 proof, which okay. is pretty typical for Canadians. All right. Now, as, as we've found out, you and I both appreciate something a little bit higher, but... Oh, I can smell that already. That, that smells like a cream mm -hmm. soda. Mm -hmm. There you are, Mike. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you. Oh, the color. What do you think about the color? Well, that's that's awful clear. It's uh, you see there. Well, that's again that forty percent. So it doesn't have real great legs on it necessarily. But you know what? What matters is what it tastes like. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So are we ready for a sip? Here we go. Well, I was right. That's vanilla. A little, just a little bit of smokiness. It does. And what do you think about the smell? You know, honestly, I think I appreciate the nose on that more than I do the, the flavor. Okay. That, 
All right. It, I get I hit with that vanilla mm-hmm. again right away. It's you can mix that in a cream soda and it would disappear entirely. <laughs> All right, I'll take your word for it. Uh, and it it just yeah, about I agree does. with you. If you if you mix that with a cream mm-hmm. soda, it'd probably just disappear altogether. It would. Uh, I expect a little bit more. Uh, it does. It I get that vanilla, a little bit of the the oak, mm-hmm. a little bit of that white oak at the top, and then it it disappears. And then it kind of comes back a little bit with that the the finish, and I get a little bit of that that bourbon, a little more caramel, mm-hmm. and just a little bit of char on the back end. Oh, I agree with you. Yeah, but it, it just kind of it, it starts off great, and then it's gone, and then it picks it picks up a little bit. I agree with you. I agree with you. Take another little sip out of this. I like that. Uh, I could drink that all day long. <laughs> yeah, I could too. It's very yeah. smooth, extremely smooth. And there's not a whole lot of burn to it. No, not at all. Well, that's it's pretty low proof. Yeah. It's as low a proof as you yeah. can get, really, to be a whiskey. And, and I can taste a little bit of spice in there, uh, but it it's very very smooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'd recommend. I could. Whiskey. That's that's from breakfast breakfast through dinner. That, that's an all day whiskey right there. I agree. But you yeah you'd want to drink that just as is. Uh, but it suggests serving over ice. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put an ice cube in that. Your whiskey I would be gone. I wouldn't either. I would ju- I, this, is, this is definitely a straight whiskey. Absolutely. You drink straight, and uh, it's nice and smooth. It's got a good nose on it. Very enjoyable. And you could sip on that all day, I'd that's, say. That's not going to pick a fight with anyone. No, no. Would you recommend this one? I would. I would. If you're a lover of Canadian whiskey, uh, even the, the Irish whiskey is mm-hmm. a super light, uh, light, easy. It's very friendly. Which I think is a great term for for that sort of whiskey. It's super friendly. Uh, nobody's going to hate that. I agree. I agree. Well, as we sip our whiskey and go through our show, <coughs> uh, we've got a few things that we want to cover tonight uh, about our two new books. Uh, but the first book we want to highlight, The Man in the Black Derby Hat. These books are actually our scripts from all of our shows. We've got a few more books coming out. We've got one in... Uh, Probably in February, that's going to come out. Uh, it's called The Machiavellians of Dodge City. And it's really about all the pranksters in, in Dodge City. But this one, A Man in a Black Derby Hat, uh, we're going to break it down and then t- talk a little bit about some of the characters. A Man in a Black Derby Hat basically is about Bat Masterson. It's selected some of the selected short stories about Bat Masterson and his trials on the frontier and some of his. Things that he ran into when he was Marshall. Um, and there's so many good ones. This is just a yeah, fraction. It's just a fraction of that Masters one, by God. And again, it's a selected short story, so it's some of the better ones that we've we've actually produced here at our uh, Wild West podcast. Uh, while Bat Masterson, he he's in Mobiti, Texas, at the time, and that's he was really tired of hunting buffaloes out on the plains. He got tired. And so he decided, you know, I'm going to try try being a freighter for a while. He started freighting goods from Fort Dodge to Fort Supply. They're trying to get all these supplies moved to Fort Supply and then set up temporary forts on the plains. And he runs across a gentleman by the name of... uh, Melvin King. Tell us a little bit about Melvin King. Well, King, I would surmise, is, is your typical frontier soldier. Uh, these men, they're, they're sent out here. Uh, oftentimes, they're Civil War veterans, uh, many times new enlistments. 
uh, after the war and the especially with the the Red River conflict going on with the the Indians, uh, you've got a lot of guys that through whatever their past life experience, uh, they may be on the run from something, uh, they may be running to forget something, and the military is, it's, it's a job. It's, it's a little bit of stability, right. uh, gives them a paycheck, however irregular it may be. Uh, but quite often out on the Western frontier, it sends them out to some ungodly forsaken country. Right. But there are some things that are happening with uh, mm-hmm. with the Indians coming off the reservation, right. and they're trying to control the Indians coming off right. the reserva- reservation. But anyway, Melvin King, let's get back to him. He's a sergeant in the Army? He is a sergeant, yes. And uh, he gets court-martialed. Mm-hmm. And uh, generally, again, going with his, his attitude, uh, with that, that court-martial, I think it speaks to his, his veteran past. Uh, the Civil War affected him. Yeah. In, in great deal. Right. Uh, in addition to being out here on the frontier where the only thing a soldier's got to do in downtime is get drunk. Right. Uh, some would say that maybe that is, is no different than today, but uh, I guess it depends on your outlook. Uh, so there they are in, in the saloons, and King is notoriously bad-tempered, uh, which has led to his, uh, his court-martial. Right. Uh he is a very strong personality. Uh, I think, uh, like like many of, of his time, he he tries to project a greater personality even than he may already have, and a little bit of alcohol will accentuate what's already there anyway. He's an absolute braggart. Okay, so uh, he's very proud of himself, and he tells everybody else how good he is. He's, he's an incredible human being, and if you don't believe him, just ask him again. Okay. Yeah. And when he runs into a personality like that of Bat Masterson, who had already gained a reputation at this point uh, from a couple of years ago, early days in Dodge City, he and, and Ed, uh, his older brother, were already known as men not to be trifled with. Bat was not insecure. Bat was very confident uh, in, in who and what he was, what he wanted to do. He was a fun-loving man, certainly one of the... One of the greatest practical jokers the West right. has ever produced, as we will discuss later. Right. And Bat's here in this this saloon in Mobiti, uh, intending to have a good time. Lady friend on his arm. Sergeant King happens to be apparently enamored of this same woman. And while while Bat is is there enjoying himself, uh, Sergeant King sees essentially a, a rival. A potential rival. This is a chance to enhance his own reputation in his own eyes, if right. no one else's, uh, and hence the scuffle ensues, which neither one uh, turn out for the better. But King certainly takes takes the fall. Yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, uh, this story is really, and in the book we we talk about it. But this is really a love affair. Uh, and that you just don't have a, an understanding of how much love is on on Bat's side, but we do know the lady in question, which we'll talk about in a minute. Probably quite enamored. Is very, very much in love with uh, Bat Masterson. So we're in Mobini. There's another person, though, uh, that he runs into, also as a, a, a factor in changing Bat's life, and his name is Ben Thompson. 
you know, he, he becomes a, a famous, but he's more of a gambler. And they mm-hmm. open this saloon called the Lady Gay Saloon in Mobile, Texas, and he gets hired on, Bat does, he gets hired on as a pharaoh gambler. Mm-hmm. But the meeting between Ben Thompson and Bat Masterson, let's talk a little bit about that meeting and who Ben Thompson really was. Well, Ben is another one, much like, like Bat Masterson, they were... Uh... I don't say two peas in a pod, but they were they were very much alike as far as their their general confidence. Right. Uh, ben had nothing to prove. Uh, also, a veteran of of the Civil War, he's fought for uh, Emperor Maximilian. Uh, That's true in, in Mexico, and that didn't turn out too well for him. It, it did not. <laughs> <laughs> not not very many who served under Maximilian were right. were successful, but Ben also is. Is confident. He's a he's a cool, collected character. Understands his role in society. He and Bat, they sort of. I don't know if this is the first time that they have have crossed paths. I believe that it is, uh, but certainly they were respectful of each other's. Uh, I agree. If not outright friends, right. uh, they were respectful of each other's career and reputation there there ever after. Ben bore witness to the scuffle. Uh, between King and Masterson, uh, Ben's little brother Billy, right, uh, also a factor. Well, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm glad you brought Billy up, much more hot headed than his yeah, older brother. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up uh, Billy Thompson. Uh, the, the, he was a little brother. Uh, the little brother, yeah, yeah, and he was more of what, the had uh, the little brother syndrome. It, it, he was very good at herding cattle, and in fact, he he was some well, of the first cattle drives that went up to. Abilene, and he mm-hmm. made his money as a uh, as a very successful uh, cattle driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was little on the wild side, and I think some of uh, Ben Thompson's scuffles had a lot to do with trying to get his brother out of trouble. Out of, absolutely. And there was an incident, and, and you might tell us a little bit about this incident, uh, about a killing of a sheriff, accidental killing of a sheriff, mm-hmm. uh, in a particular town, uh, that Billy Thompson and his brother were gamblers, so you might want to mention that. Oh, one of the other great cattle towns of, of Kansas, Ellsworth, right? Uh, which had a, began their reputation even earlier, earlier than Dodge City, uh, just being further east on the cattle trails as as they moved west. Uh, Billy, in a drunken scuffle, uh, wound up killing uh, the sheriff uh, Chauncey Whitney, right? Who was a legend in his own time, and had he survived, he would have been, I believe, very firmly spoken of in the same breath as Wyatt Earp, Bat Masterson, and many of these others. Uh, and the two were friends. Yeah, That's the saddest part right. of the, the tragedy. Uh, Sheriff Whitney understood the the economic necessity of of these cattle drovers. Right. Uh, and what they brought to the, the economy, even to the culture of the city of Ellsworth. Uh, and he was favorable to to what what that economy brought, uh, and Billy being one of the more notorious of the 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 cowboy the the wild group uh, that the more civilized faction of Ellsworth was already trying to push out. This happened again in every every cow town during the essentially a, a drunken incident. Uh, Billy was going to be arrested uh, by Sheriff Whitney. Uh, he was carrying his brother's shotgun and unloaded it. Killing Sheriff Whitney by accident, uh, by, by absolute total accident. Yes, yeah. uh, Billy was shocked uh, at what he'd done when he found out 
the next day, too drunk and even at the time to know what he had done until right. he was informed of it later. Right. Uh, and Ben, essentially, uh, to simplify the story, basically stood off the entire law enforcement and many citizens of Ellsworth uh, while his little brother Billy made his escape. Right, because they the town was pretty upset about the death of the marshal, and uh, uh, everyone loved Sheriff Whitney. Now, what what's really amazing about this story? Uh, he takes a young lady with him, mm -hmm. and uh, and she travels the trails with him. Uh, she actually has a child by Billy. We're mm -hmm. talking about Billy, right? Uh, and in the escape, uh, he takes this young lady with him, and somehow she ends up in Dodge City. <laughs> Didn't everyone? <laughs> yeah, and uh, she's a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And she earns a lot of money in Dodge City, and actually she a, a tremendous amount of money, enough money that when they move to Mobiti, Texas, uh, she buys a ranch and uh, funds the Lady Gay Saloon mm -hmm. with that money. So here you have the lady in question, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Right. Uh, you have Billy Thompson, Ben Thompson, Billy Thompson's wife, all in this one Mobiti, Texas, with Charles Rath and all of these people uh, in this small little community uh, with, the, with the saloon set up. And now Bat is off the buffalo fields, and he runs into two women. One is Squirrel Tooth Squirrel Tooth Alice. Alice. Libby. Libby. Uh, yeah, we have to name. Uh, I forgot her last yeah. name all of a sudden. Uh, Libby. She becomes Squirrel Tooth Alice. Yeah. And she becomes Squirrel Tooth Alice, and her friend... Molly Brennan. Molly Brennan. So let's talk about those two ladies, Squirrel Tooth first, and then we'll talk about Molly Brennan and their characters and what made them what they were at the time. Mm -hmm. Well, it was Molly is the, the lady we were talking about earlier who was apparently very infatuated uh, with Bat Masterson. You know, every, every love story has got to have a, a, a triangle of, of some sort. And... According to what what we know, even going so far as according to uh, legend story, King was he was either infatuated with Molly in his own right, or he was simply upset that his potential rival was getting the pretty ladies where he thought it should be him. I agree. Hence the scuffle in which Bat is really the only. Blood, blood drawn of his entire Western career uh, when King wind up shooting him through through the abdomen, through his, his, his intestines, and basically got shot in the groin, Yeah, essentially, to a point where the, the doctor who fixed him up said that it was a damn good thing he hadn't eaten recently, or that would have led to infection and everything else, but his, his system was clean, they patched him up, and he walked with a limp and a cane for, for quite a while yeah. until he... He healed up, right. went back home to Wichita, the family farm, yeah. and recuperated. It is an amazing story because Molly Brennan, according to uh, history, uh, her grave is still in Mobiti, Texas, mm -hmm. which is now called Sweetwater, Sweetwater, Texas. And you can actually go out to her grave. But she was, according to history, she was a very beautiful woman. Apparently, yes. And uh, these two guys, Melvin King and Bat Masterson, and it was overall over jealousy. And you're right, the shooting happened there in the in the saloon. It, Melvin just came out of nowhere, pulled a mm -hmm. pistol. But the sad thing about it is, the first shot from Melvin King's gun 
what happened. My name is Koji. And I'm Michelle. And this is the Japanese America podcast. So this is where we look at all things Japanese American. We will bring alive the history, culture, and people that make up this diverse community. In this month's episode, we'll examine Koji's unique family history. To help bring this story alive, we brought on actor and comedian Derek Mio. He was reported to be extremely pro-Japanese and anti-American in sentiment. Her husband was taken into custody by the military authorities under a warrant authorized by the Secretary of War, who was his enemy of the United States. He was my grandfather on my dad's side. To hear more stories about Japanese America, you can listen to this podcast anywhere you normally download your podcast. Well, Molly, and again, this speaks to this the, the tragedy of the whole thing. They're worthy of any Shakespeare play, I, I, I think. I agree. Uh, why there hasn't been just a movie centered around this event i i don't understand somebody make that well and they could use our book to to do the script uh, right? call us we'll write yeah, it for we'll you write it for i don't believe for a second that bath himself cared one iota romantically for miss brennan uh certainly she was very attractive probably good at what she did bat being a businessman if anything else, we could say that there was probably going to be a business transaction later if there hadn't already. <laughs> King saw his rival, and uh, he wanted a piece of the action. Scuffle, words were exchanged. King drew his pistol. And Molly, being as infatuated as she apparently was with the young Mr. Masterson, threw herself in the way right. of the bullet and was killed instantly. Which is where what finally made Bat step up, and it it's gone beyond words at this point. And and so here we have a life sustaining injury on Bat Masterson, and that's why he he carries his cane because uh, he's having a hard time walking after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have a guilt, uh, I think that was uh, in Bat's mind. You know that that guilt of her saving his life would stay with him for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he constantly thought about Molly Brennan, I believe, and, and what happened that night. So I think Bat was aware. Right. And this is probably just speculation on my part, but I, I think Bat was aware of his magnetism. Right. I think you could say, and that of his, his two older brothers, uh, Ed was referred to occasionally with, with his wife. Uh, never formally married, and, and most of them most of them weren't. Uh, Jim, younger Masterson brother, was uh, a common law married for for some time. But Bat never had a true relationship right. with a woman until really briefly, much later in life in right. his his New York career. Right. Uh, but during his Western travels, Bat Bat flew solo. Yes, right. and I I do kind of believe that, like you said, the, the guilt, I, I think this Molly Brennan incident affected him on a pretty deep emotional level. I agree. Yep. And I also believe that that he covered whatever emotional scars that he may have had with his just unrivaled sense of humor. Now, the, the lady that uh, introduced Molly Brennan to Batmasters, and we haven't talked a lot about Squirrel Tooth, uh, Alice. Can you kind of give us a little bit of her character and how, what what happened to her? What made her what she was that day 
when uh, when Bat was shot or up until that time. We know a little bit about her early history. Mm. She was captured by the Indians. Right. Her father was a very jealous man. Mm. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, about her past, how she arrived at the profession and in which she she prospered. Well, I'm glad you brought up the, the bit about her father because uh, I think that speaks to young young girls in general uh, on their, I guess, their daddy issues. Right. Uh, and she she rebelled. Uh, she went out on her own. She was uh, in, in love with a man. Dad stepped in, wouldn't let him get married. Uh, Dad was very, very controlling uh, of her life. And so she essentially just struck out on her own. Now, let, let me ask you, and I'm not sure about this story, but did her father shoot her first lover? He did. And after that shooting, shot and killed him, mm-hmm. she took off and left. Yeah, she was done with him. And she went to Abilene. Started off her career in Abilene, as, as far as we, we know. That's the first time she really appears. She did what many young single women of no other resources uh, jumped into. She entered the world's oldest profession. She became a prostitute. Today, often, and even looking back, uh, we have a tendency to to judge these women by their career. And I that is, in many cases, especially with, with young Libby or, or Alice, as she's now known to us, that does them a disservice. These were, in, in not, of course, not all cases, uh, but these were ladies, all, mostly treated as such. Whether they were or not, you treat them like late. Right. Alice was both. She, she was good at what she did. <laughs> uh, she parlayed into a very successful career from, from prostitute to madam to business owner to ranch owner to wife. She was an incredible woman. I would have loved to have known her. She was very strong-willed. In fact, uh, you had to be. She knew how to handle herself. Mm-hmm. From More importantly, harass- she knew she yeah. knew how to handle everyone else. That's right. And so one of, one of the things, though, is amazing about this story is while in Abilene, she falls in love with Billy Thompson, and she mm-hmm. becomes on the trail, and and then in order to uh, earn the kind of living that she wanted in the end of her life, mm-hmm. she began to collect a lot of funds for her profession. And uh, they ended up in Mobiti, Texas. So, and even as as successful uh, a cowboy, really, and drove her as Billy was, and in uh, in contrast with his older brother Ben, Billy was the bad boy. Again, you put it in context. This young lady, she's got daddy issues. She, even as successful as she's become and gaining her reputation, she goes for the bad boy. Not no. not to her fault. And they had they had quite a life together, but. Well, and, and, and that's just some of the stories in detail, uh, selected stories from our first book, which is called A Man in a Black Dugger Hat. So if you want to learn a lot more about uh, Squirrel Tooth Alice, uh, Ben Thompson, Billy Thompson, some of their things that they were involved in, uh, Molly Brennan, also in the book is uh, Boardwalks from Hell, which is the killing of Ed Masterson. So there's a lot of research that went into this. We we spent hours and hours and hours of time uh, digging into the lives of these people. And uh, I think these are probably the truest accounts maybe that's been written about their lives. Uh, Uh, Certainly, I think these stories we have told in a way that really never has been told altogether. Right. Um, 
we've taken accounts from uh, from people who were there at the time. Whereas most of the time, when you hear these stories, they're they're taken from later accounts, right. uh, more of a, a print the legend right kind of thing. And when you have stories like this, the truth is infinitely better than any Hollywood version could concoct. Uh, despite what I said about making the movie about the, the Sweetwater fight. but Well, and one of the things that we might want to address is the conversations in the book between people and the way that comes out when they're talking to one another. It's kind of like when you and I visit, we come together, we talk about these stories mm-hmm. and we talk about things that, that these people are our own experiences. So you have to imagine right. that when we're sitting down talking, you and I or anyone else, uh, one of the things that we do is we talk about our experiences. Yeah. So in the dialogue, it's research. Mm-hmm. It's it's the conversations that they're having about their lives that is proven in the research. So even though the dialogue's there, it's based on history. Right. The While the conversations are fictional, uh, they are in very indicative of who these people were. And that's... I think that's much easier to do than, than many uh, researchers, even many historians, uh, like to think because these are real people uh, with experiences that may differ from ours just simply because of the time and the area in which they lived. But they have the, the, same, the same desires, the same wishes, the same thoughts, the same outlook. They're, they're as human and real as, as you and I. And looking at them through that light makes them come alive, and I think much easier to understand. I agree. And, you know, it's, it's like the human experience. You know, when we get together or anybody else gets together, mm-hmm. they like to talk about the human experience, right. their experience, and, and how they affected their lives. But what's, what's key about this, they talk to people that they trusted. Right. So when you get a conversation between Bat Masterson and Ben Thompson, they trusted each other. Mm-hmm. So Bat could express his experiences. So that becomes really a mark in history. We would recommend the book, A Man in a Black Derby Hat. That's it for now. We hope you enjoyed our show. And remember, you can check out all of our Wild West podcast shows on Player FM series, Wild West podcast, iTunes podcast, Spotify, Amazon AnyPod, or at wildwestpodcast.com buzzsprout.com